It's timely. It's insightful. It's motivating. It's empowering. It's time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. Good evening to our listeners and a warm welcome to another edition of Time with Fred. I'm excited tonight because I have a special guest with a very powerful story. Um, special guest Paula Hopwood is joining us all the way from Alberta, Canada. Um, I met Paula about a week or so ago in a writing workshop. Um, and then we, we connected. Uh, we found out that we had um, one thing in common. We're both John C. Maxwell team members. And so I thought it would be great to, to have Paula come and share her story. Paula is an, is an inspirational speaker. She's a best-selling author, and she's also a um, certified life coach. So without much ado, I want to introduce Paula. Paula, thank you so much for coming on time with Fred tonight. Really appreciate you and uh, looking forward to getting to know you and hearing about your story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Absolutely. Well, it's good, good to be here sort of on the call, but in my home too. Yeah, that's the beauty of, this, right? that's the beauty of technology. So I, I like that as well. It gives us the flexibility uh, to do the things that, we, that we're passionate about while also helping uh, impact and inspire our lives as well. So again, thank you. Paul, just a little background about who you are. Um, what I like to, oftentimes when I have my guests on the show, we have all this, you know, nice, great introductions, right? But behind those great formal industries, there's always a story, right? So, and that's what we're going to be getting to. So we know mm -hmm. you as an inspirational speaker. We know you as a best-selling author. And we also know you as a certified coach. But behind all that, who is Paula? Well, I guess what led up to that was that I had uh, quite an abusive background um, for my first 32 years. And I, I literally, I literally, when I came out of it, I just said, what do I do now? And I needed to change my life around and I just started making the changes and it brought me to all of that. Now, uh, there's, there's a story within a story there because that's the short version, <laughs> you know? And so what brought me to that point? Well, you see, I had, uh, when I was growing up, I, you know, I was like your typical little girl. I liked, I liked, you know, ponies and puppies and, and uh, flowers and rainbows and, and chocolate cake and, you know, all these things. And life was really good, right? I was uh, just a typical little girl. And one day that would all change. Uh, one day when I was five years old, that changed. And my life, my life kind of went dark for a while. And this happened at the hands of a 15 year old babysitter. And so it, it, plunged me into this darkness where I started sabotaging my life. I picked relationships that weren't good for me. I picked situations that weren't good for me because I just, I didn't love myself, right? I, I thought I was to blame for everything. And it, it was just really dark for a lot of years. And, and I ended up, I ended up in a situation um, with my first husband uh, that I, I like to say, I, I married the king daddy of them all, you know? And every day he proved to me, you know, the, the thoughts that I had going in my head that I was worthless and, and, you know, I was just to be used. He, he brought that out in me, right? He proved it to me every day. And so what ended up happening was that I, I ended up hitting a point in my life. And most people call that a breaking point, And I called it a building point mm -hmm. because I hit a point in my life where I just couldn't take it anymore. And I had to turn my life around. And 
at around that time I had a near death experience and a thought popped into my head when I came out the other side. And that thought was what I allow will continue. And what I allow, what I allow will continue. I started applying it to my life and I started applying it from past events that have happened. I, what was going on right now and everything went through that filter of what I allow will continue. And step by step, I started to, to change my life. Right. And my first husband ended up leaving. And so I, I like to make the joke that, uh, so I did what came natural to me and I changed the locks. Right. <laughs> well, I started to change my life and that's when all that goodness came in. I became a certified empowerment facilitator, certified empowerment coach, um, a certified John, Man John Maxwell coach, uh, inspirational speaker. Um, I, I, I put out, I wrote a story and put it in a compilation book with a bunch of other authors and, and became a best-selling author on that. And that was, that was a hard thing to do. I, I, I constantly did this. I just, what I allow will continue. What do I want? Good or bad in my life? And I just started making those steps. And I mean, this is a short version. <laughs> you know, we could be here for hours, right? Yeah, I, love, I love that defining moment story, right? For, for a lot mm -hmm. of people who go through hardships um, or go through challenging moments, uh, not everyone is able to come out of that um, mm -hmm. very easily like like you and I and, and, and host of other people. But there is always that defining moment, which I think, in my opinion, is the most difficult, right? To kind of get over that hill or get over that hump. For a lot of people, it's the guilt, it's the mm -hmm. mental entrapment that they find themselves in. How easy was it for you to, to make that decision to say, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to uh, change things or I'm going to change the loss, like you rightly said. Yeah. Well, you know, I was kind of getting a little chuckle inside when he said it was easy, like when it was easily done, because it was not easily done. <laughs> you know, 32 years of conditioning, right? 32 years of thinking a certain way. And when, when I got a second chance at life, I realized that I almost left. I had two little boys from my first marriage. Um, and when I got that second chance, I realized I almost left them behind. I almost left family and friends behind. And so I came home and I said to my little boys that mommy's been really mad lately and, and sad and that this is going to change. I'm going to do everything in my power to change. And I remember I was standing in the kitchen. I was standing in the kitchen and a thought came into my head, something family, um, something was going on. And I thought, okay, I can do what I've always done and I'll get what I've always gotten 32 years of it. Right. But I made myself a promise and I made my children a promise. So <laughs> this is what I physically did is I thought I took a step to the left. I thought if I do this, I could react. I could do everything I've done the whole way that I've always done it. Or, and I turned to the right and I took a step to the right. I could do the exact opposite of that. And I thought there, and I thought, what's the exact opposite? And that's what I did. I started doing that step by step. And slowly it started to turn my life around because I thought what I allow will continue. I just started doing the opposite of what I used to do. And I actually got through fear that way too, because I realized because, because I was with an abusive man, uh, I realized that he, the way he kept me there was by fear, right? 
And I'm not going to say it was easy, but slowly, step by step, you know, I, I made it, right? And I just realized that fear was lying to me and trying to keep me caught. So if I did what I always did, I'd get what I always got. And I turned around and did the opposite of fear. And I just, I started coming out of it. And, and slowly, once you start coming out of it, then I started being, seeking out programs, people, mentors, coaches uh, along the way, and just got more and more and more and peeling those layers off, right? Yeah. Always applying what I allow will continue. <laughs> I can't stress that one enough, right? <laughs> I mean, years, that's, that's definitely a long time. For a lot of people who, uh, or some of the people who have interviewed have always mentioned having that support system, whether I was a parent or or a dad or a friend or, or someone who helped them along the, along the way. You mentioned having that support system of coaches and all of that. How important is that in life, especially if you're trying to make um, such a significant change and make something that you've been used for 32 years? Yeah. How important is having that support system to help you along life's way? That was, you know, that was really important way back in the beginning. Uh, Cause one of the things was, is um, I, uh, I hadn't told a lot of people and those that I told, uh, weren't very supportive. We'll put it that way. Right. But I did have uh, a man and he's like a counselor. And so he would listen and he was a great support system for me. And I had horses and a dog. <laughs> they were great. Pets are always great. Right. And so the the man that was the counselor he was he was a first nations counselor indigenous counselor and so him and his wife i could talk with them openly and and then it just kind of spread from there like i i did go out and seek help um but i didn't have it in the beginning i only had them and then and then i started to to take my steps forward it's actually interesting um because i mentioned the john maxwell team and and uh that ended up coming in a few years later um, and that was like one of the biggest things for me was to get in with a group of people, right? Get in a group of people going the same way that I'm going. Uh, so it, it was big for me and to have gone and get the mentors and the coaches that I needed to, to take me to the next level. You know, I thought I was getting them for business, right? But it was personal, <laughs> right? It was personal. <laughs> well, going back to, to 32 years, um, mm -hmm. why did it take you this long call? Um, I was sabotaging my life in a big way. Uh, I hadn't been, um, I hadn't, I hadn't been supported. I'd been taught to keep quiet, to keep, uh, secrets quiet, right? Uh, like when, when I was five years old and that male babysitter, uh, did those things, I was told to be quiet and keep it under wraps, right? We don't tell people, we don't, don't tell your father, don't, you know, don't tell anybody. And um, so then when other things would happen in my life, I was told to keep quiet. Um, I was raped in high school and I told my best friend first thing, like a couple hours after I was crying and I told my best friend. And when I told her, she goes, oh, he wouldn't do that. And it just took me right back to keeping quiet. And I find that a lot of people, um, when they have such trauma happen to them, such personal trauma, that they are groomed to be keep quiet they are told to keep quiet maybe even threatened to keep yes. quiet yes. and basically they they kind of like just lose their ability to talk right um yeah so that's what happened to me and i 
I can say are percolated on the inside, all the anger, the frustration, the shame, the guilt, the rage, right? Yes. Was just underneath going like this. And I really, I mean, I'm going to say it. I hated myself. Yeah. I really hated myself. And so this is why I would pick sabotaging relationships. I would put myself in danger. I would put other people's safety before mine. Um, I could, I just, I would just wasn't a happy person. I might've looked happy on the outside because I got really good at acting. And so I got married. Uh, I was with him for 11 years, married for 11 years. And it was the year that I turned 32 that he left, that it was the year that I had the near death experience and things started changing. And I just, I just, you know, I had that little voice in my head that was telling me that I wasn't made for abuse and you know, that, that good voice. And, and I just, I just thought that, you know, I thought I was crazy. Um, I just didn't believe in myself. And so when I had that near death experience and I came out the other side and I realized that how precious life is and that that little voice was right. I wasn't made for abuse and that what I allow will continue. And I realized how I had been sabotaging my life yeah. up until then. And 32, I mean, now that I'm 51, actually 32 doesn't seem that long, but, <laughs> but it was, it was a life sentence back then. Right. I, I can imagine there was, um, you know, your story called mirrors, um, very closely, I guess that I had on this show as well, who went through similar situations. She was also abused when she was, um, um, at a very young age and she was also told um, there was this societal stigma uh, mm -hmm. so strong that she couldn't tell anyone. Um, she, she bottled those emotions for a very long time. She ended up cutting herself. And mm -hmm. I'd imagine, Paul, I'm not sure what the statistics are, but I'd imagine that there are a lot of people who are experiencing these types of situations, right? But perhaps due to the societal stigma um, or, or the fact that they will not be believed in your case, mm -hmm. your friend told mm -hmm. you, no, they wouldn't do that. So as a result of that, there are a lot of people who are suppressing uh, their emotions, right, from, from whatever experiences they must have dealt with. How do folks, maybe there's probably someone watching or, um, or listening to this audio, how do they go about overcoming that societal statement, perhaps for fear of not uh, being believed or, or, or who may have been threatened, um, or for whatever reason, how do they overcome that to get the help that they need. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. Uh, when I talk with people, you know, I, I talk about how angry I was and, and so holding myself in and like I was stuffing my flame down inside my body, but there was still an ember there. There was still a coal there. And when I, it was the strength of my children that I wanted to, that I wanted to be successful that I wanted to come out of that that I wanted to be a good mother right it was that realization that wait a second I'm not a doormat you know um that I'm I wasn't made for abuse mm -hmm. and I realized that in keeping quiet I hadn't served myself at all right I hadn't protected myself and all these other people that wanted me to be quiet or the society that teaches you to be quiet that you don't talk about this stuff um, is telling you to be quiet, to keep them comfortable. And I thought about it and you remember, I was still, I was still mad then. <laughs> I thought about it and I thought, who's keeping me comfortable? 
right? And and so many so many things like in my case, the person gets away with it, right? And so many people get away with acts against other people because we're quiet. And I thought about it, and I just thought that you know what? It's up to me how I think about it, but it's also up to me what I do about it, mm. right? And I can't keep carrying this around in a negative way. And so I thought about it and I thought I've got to speak up, right? And maybe by speaking up, I'll get some of this out of me, but also maybe by speaking up, maybe, maybe I'll help somebody else who's been quiet for 30 years as well, or five years or one year or 50 years, I don't know. But I just thought I've got to get this out of me. And so I thought, well, I'm going to start speaking. I'm going to, I'm going to start speaking about it. And um, uh, I do, I speak about it in speeches. I speak about it. You know, I, I'll tell, I'll tell people, I'll share people my story. Right. And it has been used in so many ways to, to help others to, to voice, to use their voice, to, to speak up about what happened to them, to, to, to be brave. I remember um, so my father didn't know what happened when I was little, right? Because it was kept quiet. And I actually had to tell him as an adult what happened. And all those years growing up, I carried all that shame and guilt and, and thinking that my father would be mad at me. Well, when you take a step out and you look as a parent, I'm a parent of four, and I'm thinking, what would I do if my child came to me and told me that? Well, I'd want to know, Right. And I thought, I kept that from my father for years because I was told to keep quiet about it. And so that didn't allow any healing to happen, right? So my advice would be, tell somebody. Maybe, you know, go tell somebody like in a counselor or a pastor's position or somebody like that. Tell somebody that will listen, yeah. right? Don't try the people that have, have, like I had people in my life sabotaging me, abusing me and stuff. Of course, they're not going to listen, yeah. right? Um, they want to keep me where I'm at. So, the, you know, they're hurt people too, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, so uh, I, I just don't tell those people. Go tell somebody who'll listen and feel that weight come off, right? Feel that relief when, when you're hurt. And that was a big thing. And I, I hear that with people in the same situation as me is to just be heard. Yeah. Right. It's just beautiful. Yeah. I call that being careful who we let into our inner mm. circle. Sometimes yes. you're well-intentioned people who, um, you know, feel like they know it all. They have, everyone has an opinion these days on everything. And sometimes the people who speak into our lives or the people whose opinions we seek are, may not be, may not be the right people to speak into our lives. And so you have we let all these thoughts and all these opinions into our lives and they ended up they end, they end up derailing us or taking us away from where we need to be. So I think we've got to be very intentional who we let or who we, we allow to speak into our lives. I'm very particular about that. And I think giving, you know, with this type of experience, I that couldn't be further from the truth. But oh, one of the things that the beauty of this, um, as I see it, and it is true in a lot of cases, but out of the pain that you went through, right? Out of, out of the abuse and all of that, out of your pain has come your purpose. Mm -hmm. Out of what you went through, you're, you're now out there inspiring people and speaking, speaking into people. But that's a powerful perspective. A lot of times when we experience pain uh, as individuals, we, we want to cover up that pain for whatever reason. We, we don't want to go back there. It's painful. It's bitter. It breaks up very bad memories and I get it 
But in other cases as well, especially in your case, out of that pain has come your purpose, right? What message is there for, for people who go through life experiences that are, you know, painful, um, and for whatever reason, they don't want to go there. They just want to cover it up. Um, how, how do we approach our pain? I guess is a question I'm trying to, how do we see the painful memories or experiences that we go through in life? How do we, how do we turn that around and make it something beautiful? Because I do believe that, and I could be wrong, but out of, out of your experiences and what's happened to you has birthed, you know, a new person, your inspirational speaker, a coach, author, out there blessing lives and, and helping people get through their, their, their difficulties. Is there, is there any lesson at all in that? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. All right. So in the beginning, I mentioned that like I had kind of shut down my femininity, right? My, I called myself a goddess, right? I shut down my femininity because of this for years. I wouldn't even wear a dress, okay? Like I just, I wanted to be a tomboy. I wanted to be a boy. This, uh, I mean, this uh, led to all sorts of things, sabotaging my life, my relationships. Um, um, I drank, I, you know, like it was, it, was a, it was nasty. When I started coming out of it, I certainly didn't want to go back into it, right? I wanted to just have it not exist, that it was just over there somewhere. But that didn't work either. So as I began to reach out and find help, and I began to take workshops or little retreats or watch um, uh, a movie or read a book or something, I realized that pain that I was afraid of, I was carrying it around with me. So here I was, this mature woman with two children, and I was afraid of something that happened when I was five years old. And I realized that the worst had already happened. What happened to me when I was five happened when I was five, and yes, it was bad, and I'm not taking away from it, but it happened, and it's over. And and what happened to me when I was 15 happened when I was 15 and, and it's over. But it was up to me, was I going to carry that forward? So the biggest thing that helped me with that was realizing that the worst had already happened. So what was I afraid of? You know, I, I could go back into it, but it wasn't, it wasn't happening again. It may, I, could, I could make it think like it was happening again, but that was me, that I, I was in control. And I remember that phrase, what I allow will continue. And I thought, do I want to continue? being a victim? Do I want to continue constantly living in fear because of all this? I wouldn't even get in an elevator if a man was in an elevator, right? It took me a lot of years, by the way, to overcome that one. Uh, small spaces with a man. And, and, you know, and was I, in that case, was I going to hold every man, you know, to the standards of what one had done to me, right? That wasn't fair either. And so I just thought, you know what? The worst is done and let's, it's time to get over it. Now, I'm not going to say that's easy either, right? But the knowledge of that somehow changed me and gave me the power to step up and face those in with coaching, face those in retreats, face those in workshop. And I'm saying it came off in layers, right? Uh, I didn't just flip a switch and have everything okay. It's, it, it's, a, it's a work in progress, <laughs> right? And, but that's what helped me was... You know, here I was, this woman, 
mature woman. I'm not a five-year-old girl anymore. I'm not a 15-year-old girl anymore. It happened, but it's time to let it go, right? So, and, and now I can talk about it. And now I can, I remember it. Yeah. But there's been a lot of healing yeah. happen on that. How so. did that impact or if it did at all? I mean, you had uh, young kids at, at the time. How did you manage getting out of that and also protecting your kids at the same time it must have been a very challenging balancing act right um well it was interesting uh, the only mom they had known at that time was very very sad and very um upset um, not at them just angry at life and stuff and very withdrawn right and uh so when i started changing actually what ended up happening was my first husband tried to control me more and then he tried to do some things to me. Uh, I find it funny now because it's like, I don't care. Do what you want. You can't get my mind. You can do whatever you want to my body, but you can't hurt my mind anymore. It reminds me of Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl yes. is a, yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. Isn't he amazing? I, yeah. Yeah. Yes. For those of you who don't know who Viktor Frankl is, he's a, he was a psychologist and he was in the concentration camps, yeah. camps the Nazi concentration camps. Basically, his message, um, incredible books, but his message is that they can do whatever they want, but they can't touch what's in here. They can't touch what's in your mind, right? And I actually didn't know about Viktor Frankl back then. I just figured it out that um, here I was married to this guy who was used to abusing me and controlling me with fear and manipulation um, and different types he would carry out on me. And when I started changing and um, I just started getting really positive and it kind of scared him. And so he tried tactics that had worked before. And I literally, I just thought, you know what? I was laying there and you can do whatever you want. But you can't touch my mind. You can say whatever you want, but you can't touch my mind. My mind is mine, right? And so he, he tried the ultimate power play because he knew I was afraid of lack of security, right? Like he already knew that was one of my things. So he moved out. He thought he'd scare me and move out. And I just never let him move back in. <laughs> Thank you. I'm talking about Victor, uh, frankly, and I'm a, I'm a big fan. Uh, the, the, the book that he, he wrote that, I, um, that changed a lot of things for me was uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Mm, um, yes. And I think his experience must have birthed that quintessential quote that it's, it's, it's not what happens to you in life, but it's how you react. And it's... Mm -hmm how true that is right in a lot of cases but again you make it sound so easy right you can do anything to me but you can't touch my mind one of the uh, the scriptures that i love so much uh is in proverbs 4 23 it says guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issue of life and i've done i've done quite a number of teachings on that but how do you protect that sanctuary if you will that mind from all the distractions, all the neg negativity, and all the things that that come at you, because I—that's a very vulnerable place. Once once someone gets hold of your mind or your thoughts, that's it. Yeah. How do we safeguard that sanctuary from from all of those things that come at us and try to, you know, destabilize us or, or get us uh, to to give in or to cave in, based on Frankel's experience. But I believe that voice in my head that I was hearing that was telling me that I wasn't made for abuse was God. Mm. And, mm. and then that thought that popped into my head, what I allow will continue. I believe that was God too. Yes. Yeah. And, 
And then I'm not really good with remembering what scriptures they are, um, but I do remember the different scriptures themselves. And I remember reading, and it used to come to me all the time, that um, I have a sound mind. Yes. So I came here, God created me with a sound mind, right? Therefore, whatever else is in there, I'm hanging on to. And um, like I said, I'm not going to say it's easy because it sounds easy now. <laughs> Believe me, if this interview would have been 20 years ago, it would have went in a whole different direction. <laughs> yeah. But that's just it, is that it's, it's like Viktor Frankl said, you know, and in, in what I heard, um, we're in charge of our own mind. Yeah. And what we fill it with, um, what we hang on to, what we want to carry around, what I allow will continue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good, bad, or indifferent. What I allow will continue. And um, I mean, literally that phrase changed me. I just applied it to everything. And um, it's like that special sauce you put on, right? <laughs> that scripture, by the way, is Second uh, Timothy 1, 7. It says, for God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of power love and of a sound mind Sound mind and, and yes. that, I think that goes to also speak to how important it is to to protect our minds and especially mm -hmm. given what we're going through globally uh with this whole pandemic which i try not to dwell on so much but but again we're experiencing it we're going through it and so we might as well just just touch on it but there is a lot of fear i mean who wouldn't right i mean you watching the news and seeing all these daily stats and and the impact i mean they're you know, a lot of folks have lost their jobs. We're not minimizing this. I mean, we go, we, we're in lockdown. You go to the store, there's this, the fear is palpable, right? People mm -hmm. out there with masks and, and you're seeing the death tolls and it's not going down, right? And so all this negativity, but how do we maintain a sound mind in the midst of all that? Again, not taking you away from your story, but just yeah. what we're experiencing as an exemplary. So that's one thing that we can all relate to right now, whoever's watching, wherever we are right now, we are all in this together. How do we maintain a sound mind again using either the scripture, you know, God's not giving us a spirit of fear and fear, right? I mean, rightfully so. How do we overcome that spirit of fear, um, yeah. whether it's based on what we see, whether it's based on what we've been told, whether it's based on what we've experienced in life that prevents you? And in your case, just stepping out of that, out of the, the familiar, out of 30, 32 years of what's considered normal, there must have been fear. How do you maintain oh, yeah is sound mind, how do you overcome fear and all that? Well, interesting about that. So I mentioned before that fear is a liar. And I learned that at that time when my first marriage was ending, when I was having those experiences, because I realized he was trying to control me with fear. And I realized that he wasn't the only one that tried to control me with fear and that I would become fearful of different things, uh, like even watching the news, different things in the news, right? I would be fearful of what other people were fearful, but that had nothing to do with my life, right? And I began to look at it because of what was going on in my life. And I realized that fear was trying to stop me from doing um, what I needed to do. Fear was trying to stop me from even experiencing love, right? Fear was trying to stop me. I looked at fear as a player right? As, a, as a, I gave it kind of a personality, if you will. And I thought, whoa, you're a liar, right? And so I just started doing, I realized when fear was trying to stop me and lie to me, I realized that if I did the opposite, then I wouldn't be fearful. Now, in this case, this is, this is, so 
I was a horse trainer for years. I, I'm I a big background in horses, horse training, horse riding and everything. So that scripture stood out to me about a sound mind because um, horses, um, when they're sound, uh, they have, they're not, they don't limp at all. They don't, they don't favor a muscle at all or anything. Right. And there's a very strong way of going. And that's why that scripture stood out to me. And that's the word that stood out for me. Right. That was the one that spoke to me because when you watch a horse go and it's in full, you know, its body is strong and it's going, it's a powerful, powerful creature. They're just beautiful. Right. But a sad thing is, is if a horse is injured, right or if it's pulled a muscle or something like that so when i read that scripture about having a sound mind that was a, just clicked in me like that i wasn't given a mind that's limping i wasn't given a mind that you know has sore muscles or has an injury to it i was given a sound mind i'm strong you know i'm as strong as that horse that's running free and wild and i thought that is who i am right? I am not all this stuff that's trying to control me. I am not that stuff that fear is trying to throw at me. And I, I just started believing in that. So what's going on today with all the fear? I mean, I get it. Uh, people have differing opinions. Well, I mean, that's pretty typical. People have differing opinions about everything, right? Um, personally, I don't watch the news a whole bunch, right? So because, because it is very fear-based and I don't like that, right? So um, uh, they throw you a scrap at the end where they give you a little nice story. So to each their own, right? But I, I choose to fill my mind with things that support it and fear doesn't support it, right? I do know what's going on out there. I am, you know, I'm, I, I'm isolated, you know, so I'm, I'm in here with you all the same thing. I'm working along together with the world. Um, but like I've been teaching my, ki my, my children that um, fear isn't going to help us love is what's going to save us right so let's focus on love let's focus on that we'll work within the guidelines and and you know find a way to do that um because we weren't meant to be little rabbits hiding in the corner shaking and shivering you know with the fox bearing down on us or anything right so and and here's the other thing we were talking about god earlier and one thing about this is and, and I, I've applied this to other things, not just this. This has been a journey throughout my life, right? That, okay, so God, this, this, we're created. And so if he's this magnificent, why would we shove him in a box and right. close the box up, right? right? Why? Right. I mean, I mean, there's no coincidence here about how intricately we're made, the world, everything, right? This is all creation. Why would we think that we're under control, that we're, you know, that we're, that our God isn't bigger than this, that this powerful force who gave us a sound mind, you know, um, is doing this, like. Yeah. I think it comes back to uh, our, the tendency for us to have answers. We want to have mm -hmm. meaning, right? And so when we don't have all the answers, then we we make up our own narrative in our minds, right? You know, God must must haters and you know, if he loved us so much to your point, why is he allowing all of this? So we we kind of frame our own narratives and, and we believe in that. But I wish I knew the answer, Paul. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't know for a fact that bad things happen to good people, but it 
it, it doesn't it doesn't change who he is right it's it's mm -hmm. it's life and i believe that even in spite of what we're going through which i guess it's is why we're you're sharing your story in spite of the pain in spite of the 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 anguish in spite of the anxiety in spite of the fear in spite of everything else happening it doesn't change him i mean he's still right here and we're still going to get through it i and so i like to focus on on getting through it i don't like to dwell so much on the why the why the why like i've said this before in a number of my teaching it's it's the how how do we yeah. yes it's happened we're not minimizing this yes it's painful yes lives have been lost yes jobs have been lost uh but in spite of all that why do we why don't we control what we can't control our attitudes and how we respond again to victor frankl right it's not what happens to you life's going to happen to us but how do we react how do we govern ourselves how do we got our mind how do we got our house how do we make sure we come out of this better i think is is, 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 yeah. is but uh go, going back again you're i want to you know just divert things a little bit you're you've <laughs> met some of the powerful speakers like right? you've met les brown and you you want to talk about how you met les brown and, and your um your connections with Les. i love les brown i love his uh disc jockeying story and how he ended up <laughs> job as a dj so how did, how did you meet meeting Les Brown? I, I imagine these are some of the powerful people in the networks that, that you mentioned having in your life, but how did you meet Les Brown? I actually met him through the John Maxwell team. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I met a lot of famous, powerful people through the John Maxwell team, but I also met a lot through real estate investing training. And um, so going out to these events where um, somebody has a message to give, right? And, and you meet these powerful people and they tell their stories and they're just incredible. And Les had a big impact on my life. And, and I, I almost never say his name right, but Nick Boychitz, the, yeah. the guy, yeah. yeah. So yeah. met him through the John Maxwell team again. Wow. And that was really, really cool because John had been up on stage speaking. And of course I met John lots because I was early in the days in the, in the beginning of the John Maxwell team. And then I met Les through him and Ona Brown and, um, so that when they brought Nick in, Nick had always wanted to work with John Maxwell. And John had been up on stage speaking and Les had been up on stage speaking and they were teaching us how to, how to be a speaker and how to, you know, they were teaching us what they know and what they do. And I'm more of an inspirational speaker, um, uh, intuitive, uh, like uh, impromptu. Um, uh, at that time in my life, it wasn't good with a script. Right. And, uh, and in order to do like, you know, three, four hours, you kind of need a script. You kind of need to know what you're doing. Right. And, uh, so then Nick, he was late and he comes rolling up on stage and, and then he starts giving his thing and, and he just had some real gems there for me. And of course we all stay in the same hotel together. So I got to meet him too. Um, Les did some trainings with us too, extra trainings. I was in mentorship, but you could also, he did extra trainings that you could pay for while he was there. So he kind of layered it. So I took those. Of course I took those. I was coming from Canada all the way down to Florida, right? So I'm going to take up. advantage. Yeah. Right? Right? So um, yeah, I, I met some other people there, like uh, some other big names. But those, those are the big name ones. Um, um, and then some through, like I said, real estate investing. But uh, uh this, this changed my life, right? Especially like you say, like Les's story, to sit and listen to, to their stories, you know, like, um, and Wayne Dyer and stuff. Wayne Dyer didn't meet through, through John Maxwell, but to sit and listen to their stories, these great thought leaders, 
right? Who are so influential and to hear how they started off or what happened with them or what their story was that changed their life. It's just so inspirational. I've got shivers running up me right yeah. now, but just remembering me sitting in the audience, just drinking it all in, right? Like yeah. just, oh yeah, give me more because I needed it. I yeah. was a sponge, right? Yeah. And I needed it to change my life. Absolutely. I, I yeah. was. Um, I attended the uh, the John Maxwell certification event last year um, in the fall of last year, and there are about thirty two thousand of us who came for mm -hmm. the event, and just the power, uh, the 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 power of influence. Um, yeah. I've always known about John. I've read his books. I have quite a number of them behind me in my uh, in my bookcase, but. Uh, just to see the the level of his influence uh, was was phenomenal. He, the beauty of it, there were there were people from all walks of life, all lives, different backgrounds, right? Even yeah. people who didn't share the same faith as as he. But just the 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 desire for people to just sit and to listen to John uh, was huge. But he, here's what I found: I think the best part of it, he shared in spite of. Again, we'll look at him now and we see, you know, his following he has, you know, over 2 million people um, over around the world. But he shared that his very first speaking event when he became a pastor, because he started as a pastor. Yeah. Uh, the very first event that he attended had three people. Yeah. Uh, two of them were him and his wife. Yeah. <laughs> Suffice it to say that the first event that he had was one, just one person. Um, audience one and now yeah. for however many years now yeah now look at 30, thirty-three thousand people attending one event um is huge yeah it's huge it's huge yeah yeah look at it and it's growing so fast because um the first year i went there was like maybe three thousand people there if that um like it's just grown so and that was in 2013 so it's it's grown so fast and so big um, John is amazing and he's just, I mean, they don't, they call him Papa John, right? And he's just an amazing man and so much love in his heart. And he loves, and he may not know your name, but he loves you, right? Yes. Like, um, and knowing your name is important to him, but yeah. I, I would like to see him know 32,000 people's names in the room. <laughs> One of the things he says often is, my name is John. And I'm your friend, right? It's it's, it's I'm your friend. This tagline almost, but yeah. yeah, very personable. But but Paul, looking at all those beautiful things that have happened to you, you've met great people. You've met John, Les Brown, Wynn Dyer, Paul McNally, um, and all these people. And again, coming from a a dark place, if you were to look back um, on your life, would you change anything? No, actually, no. I thought about that. And I thought about, especially the rough patches, right? Um, like my first husband and stuff. And I, and he was one of my greatest teachers. You know, I've met some really great people in the world, but the people that, that put me, that participated in those events that put me in that were some of my best teachers because life happens for me, not to me, right? There's that saying that life, you know, this is happening for you, not to yes. you. And yes. I had with my sound mind, I flipped that from it happening to me to happening for me and I decided to learn from it, right? And, and it was funny because I had already, um, so the first time I met John wasn't actually at the training. It was, I was sitting in a restaurant having breakfast before the training and he came in and um, 
And I actually, that's where I met him. He walked up to the table and asked what I was doing there in the hotel. And I told him, and he goes, oh, I'll meeting you, be, be meeting you later. And so we had a nice little visit there. And uh, of course I knew who he was and he had no clue who I was, but, but, <laughs> but you know, so I met these amazing, big thought transformational leaders. And it was probably a couple of years after I started doing all those trainings and meeting all these people that I realized who does that? Here I used to be this little girl from Alberta, Canada, who, you know, uh, was drinking her problems away, who was sabotaging her life, who hated herself. And now I'm sitting here with all these people. And I mean, look who I'm meeting, right? Look who I'm like physically standing next to learning from going. Um, I went to Guatemala with them. That was the first country they went to. I'm going with 150 coaches with John. John and I walked down to breakfast together every day in the hallway. His room was near mine. I had alone time with him every day when we were in Guatemala. And so, you know, it was actually kind of funny because he called me pumpkin and I felt like saying, is that because you don't remember my name's Paula? <laughs> no, he was just calling me pumpkin because it was a term of endearment. Right. So just a, a cute little name. Right. But, you know, I got thinking about it and I thought, my goodness, literally my goodness, how my life has changed just because I made that decision. Right. I made that decision to like apply what I allow will continue to my life and and know that I'm more than that. And we're not made. We're not made to carry this around. We're not made to have this negativity, right? Uh, we're incredible beings, right? We're creation, we're created. Yes. So, so we're not garbage, right? I was so convinced before that I was garbage and we're not, I'm not garbage. And so, yeah, so it, it was just amazing how my life transformed and turned around. And, and now I was, you know, all these lessons and, and then I have the opportunity to work with other people who, who've been caught where I was and I can help them out. And that's such a beautiful thing to, to free people from that, to support them on that, to be that person of support for them. Right. So um, just a beautiful journey. That's powerful, Paul. I mean, to hear you say that, you know, in spite of all that you went through as a child at five and at 15, to hear you say that you look back on that and, and, you're, and you wouldn't change a thing. It, it's powerful. I think it goes back to the point that we made earlier that we go through life and we go through these experiences, but then we, we tend to, to look down upon these, ex we hate those experiences so much that we, we don't even want to think about them. And, and we go through with, a, with an attitude that doesn't open up these types of doors, right? And, and again, not to say that these situations are fun, they're not. I'm, I don't no. think that it was fun for you when you're experiencing it, but to think back to say, look, in spite of all that happened to me, um, I wouldn't change a thing because out yeah. of that pain has come my purpose. Out of that pain has, has brought about a lot of these um, great opportunities for me. And so we're going through life right now um, in, in enduring very painful situations. How should we be looking at what we're going through right now? Certainly with this again, with what everyone else is experiencing. It's painful, it's businesses are closed down, but there are certain things that I believe can come out of this. There are certain good things that I believe can come out of this. How should our attitudes or how should we change our minds towards or react in these um, situations that we're living in right now? 
or any painful or bad situation for that matter. I already mentioned it and and it's big is um, this is happening for you, not to you. This is happening for you. So look, look for the lesson, look for the the golden lining, if you will, right? Look for that way. Okay, so I already work online a lot. I, I you know, do a lot of Zoom calls and stuff, but um, a lot of people didn't, right? So now they've learned how to use Zoom. They've learned how to con- contact their, their family, their friends. I went to my first um, uh, online Zoom birthday party. It was a beach-themed birthday party. <laughs> my friend, she normally goes to Hawaii for her birthday, and so we had her party on Zoom which allowed a lot of us to come, right? Like, because not everyone can fly to Hawaii, right? So, I mean, people are learning new ways of connecting, yes. right? Um, they're learning uh, new ways of being, uh, maybe keeping an eye on their neighbor or on their community, maybe a, a senior citizen neighbor that can't or maybe shouldn't go out, right, that lives alone. Um, I'm seeing love everywhere I go. I mean, yeah, of course, if I want to focus on the fear and, and even the anger, that's out there, yes, right? Yes, I can yes. see that. But this is happening for me, right? And I want to learn my lessons during this. I want to see what I'm supposed to see. So this is happening for me. So I'm focusing on love through this. And interesting things are happening. Oh my goodness. So um, people reaching out, other people asking me, because I homeschool. So other people asking me how to school and it leads into other conversations. People asking me how I do what I do and it leads into other conversations. I now have worked with other coaches in the industry um, that now we're going to work together after this as well, right? We're setting things up. So, so like business, personal um, things, things don't have to be shut down and closed out. You know, thank God for the internet. I will say that because it allows us like even this conversation to happen um thank goodness for that i'm very grateful for that yes Uh, you know but there's ways right so it's happening for us really it is um at the end of the day it's happening for us it's making us uh wake up and look around and see see our neighbors see our family yeah um people are handling things in different ways and that's what i'm telling people is that if somebody needs to be fearful or if somebody needs to be angry or whatever, that's their way of processing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I honor that in them. Right. It's not the way I need to process, but I'm not going to get angry, you know, over it, or I'm not going to get fearful over it. You know, it's happening for me to see how they process. What do they need? Yes. You know, maybe they need some reassurance. Yes. Maybe they need their space. You know, may, what do they need? I don't know. Maybe do they need to talk? Right. So it's, it's happening for me to see more clearly. And I would say it's happening for everyone. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I think that's a powerful perspective, uh, but we have to see it that way. I I believe, and I could be wrong here, that if you embrace it that way, if you have a positive outlook towards it, it'll it'll work. Maybe the scripture says that all things work together for good, Mm -hmm. right? Those who love. If you position yourself that way, if you place yourself in those positions, it happens for you. But if you're angry, and you're bitter and you're blaming other people, I believe that you block those opportunities because yes. all you see is that the glass is, is half empty, right? And so that's, that's what you focus on. What you focus on is what you attract. It's, it's the law of attraction, yeah. right? If you, but if you see the silver lining like you write, I actually like your version. I like the gold lining because gold is even better, right? But if you see that gold lining, the ability to, the opportunity to 
to connect with other people, to spend time with family, to spend time with friends, to, to just relax a little bit. Of course, it's stressful for a lot of those who, you know, it's, if you lost your job, lost your income, that's what you're focused on, right? Yeah. The anger is more pronounced, I believe, because that's, that's what is happening. But yes, again, and I say this very respectfully uh, to those who may be watching who are, who are experiencing it in a, in a harsher way than others. Again, I'm not minimizing what you're going through, but again, in spite of what's happening, um, stay encouraged. I believe that we, we will get through this, yeah. uh, but our attitudes is going to determine to a very um, significant significant extent how well we would come out of this. We could come out um, better or we can come out bitter. I prefer the former. I prefer to, to come out better, a better person with lots of opportunities. I'm spending time you know, working on, you know, a book, um, spending time, you know, with my family and all of that. So again, perspective, Paul, here, I think is, is powerful. And I like that you kept repeating, it's happening for me. And if there's anything that I'm taking away from this interview is that it's happening for me. I didn't think about it that way. I've always heard it, but thinking that it's happening for me, that regardless of how painful this is, it's happening for me. But I have to change my perspective. I have to look at it um as half full like from a from a positive yeah. perspective and not a negative perspective paul we're are there any final thoughts that um you want to share with our viewers tonight someone who may be watching and bitter angry or who may have dealt um uh, with something similar in the past that's shackled them or held them down and that they can't seem to break free from or that they're loathing they're looking back and I hate it. I wish it would never happen to me again. I hate it. I hate everybody else. I, what is there a message, Paula, that you've lived it? Uh, that yeah. you share? I think you're more qualified to share that than I can, right? You, you, you've been through it. Yeah. You know, history, um, history of the world and of ourselves. So history of the world has taught me that humans just keep on going. Mm -hmm. Humans overcome, right? And so for somebody who's there, who's still in that pain or fear or anger or whatever, life is, life is meant to be more, right? And we were given that sound mind. So you think about it and, and you can overcome this. You can let it go because it happened to teach you something, right? It's all how you look at things. And I know I can say that easily right now, but I have honestly been there, you know, uh, I, I know what it's like to feel that way, right? That 32 years of literally hell on earth, okay? And, and it's, it's not pretty, but the thing is, is what I allow will continue. And so what I allow will continue. Am I gonna keep thinking the negative thoughts? Am I gonna keep myself imprisoned in this? Or am I gonna set myself free? Am I gonna reach out and open up that mind and let all that stuff out, right? Because, if history has taught me, it's that humans go on and I'm going to keep going on, right? Do I want to go on angry or do I want to go on happy, right? I want to go on with love and happiness because life is meant to be enjoyed and I love it. And let me tell you, it is way better on this side, right? Like I said, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. I have all my memories, right? It happened. It just takes away the pain. It restores that sound mind. And, uh, and that's what I would say. What I allow will continue. Uh, you'll get through this. Just, just reach out. 
this is powerful. And I uh, want to thank you, Paula, for, uh, for coming on, on Time with Fred tonight. Um, very powerful story. Um, and, and thankful to see the, the, just the energy, um, just, just the, the spirit, even with, with which you, you tell your story. Um, I can tell you, you've truly come a long way. So you're not looking, you're not sharing it with anger or, yes, the thoughts may be there, the past may be there, but um, just, just the perspective, it's happening for you. I, I love that. Um, guests, uh, for those who, who made the time to tune in tonight, I wanna thank you as well for watching Time with Fred. Um, special thanks again to inspirational speaker, best-selling author, a certified coach, Paula Hopwood. Paula, thank you so much. And you'll be safe out there in Canada. Look forward again to, to talking with you soon. God bless. Yeah. Thank you so much. Blessings on you. My pleasure. Have a good night. You too. Right. Good night. Good night.